Hello and welcome to the Hippocampus podcast, a place where we discuss the strategies that help optimise learning. So join us for some grassroots conversations where we share some practical tips and insights that might just make your learning journey a little easier. In this episode, we discussed exams, specifically single best answer papers, a common exam format across medical schools and other degree courses. We shared our personal approaches in preparing for this type of exam, strategies for when we're in the exam, and a little bit about the period after the exam. So let's join the hosts, me, Nikita, Gaia, Kishin, and Sophie, who are medical students, and Lisa, who's a lecturer in medical education. Welcome back, and hello everybody. How is everyone doing? Hello. Hi, guys. Hi. Hello. Good, thank you. How's the week going? We're, we're in a different phase right now, sort of settling. Yeah. After, yeah, it's the like week after exams. Yeah. 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 Some of the be- it's probably the best week, isn't it? Yeah. I think, yeah, <laughs> I think it would sure. be if we didn't have online learning. Week of rediscovery, <laughs> I think. Just life just comes back, doesn't it? Like, you yeah. know, this bubble of exams, you know everything what? just I gets can... extracted and then you're back. <laughs> I can watch Netflix without feeling guilty. That's the best part, <laughs> That's the best part isn't it? Yeah, yeah, it is. A few-week window when you can watch Netflix without feeling like you need yeah. to be doing something else. Yeah, I know. Okay. Oh my God, yeah, for sure. It is nice. Coming back to exams, they are an inevitable part, inevitable part of uh, uni life. And we have a variety of exam formats, which include our written exams. So we have single best answers and we also have short answer questions as well as the practical part, so the OSCEs. Uh, But today what we'll be doing is we'll be focusing on written exams and particularly single best answer papers, which we've not, uh, which we've done um, quite recently. So. Absolutely. So it's all very raw uh, and uh, lots of very recent lived experiences to to share with our listeners. So um, we thought we'd perhaps approach by kind of uh, thinking about the before leading up to an exam, the during and then the after. So starting at that period leading up to, uh, to, to, to an exam, what kind of approaches might you take in terms of planning or revision uh, the strategies that you might use um, when you're preparing for, for that exam um, well I think a lot of people maybe that's a, a throwback to a levels and things will make a revision timetable because that's kind of what you're you're told that maybe you should do but um, personally I don't like making a revision timetable ahead of time um, I, I tend to like kind of plan day to day like because whenever I've set a revision timetable in the past I've never stuck to it and then I'm like oh my god I've not I've not managed to get that done and then I'm falling behind and I'm freaking out before the revision periods even started so yeah I'm, I'm the complete opposite actually Sophie so I actually do make one just because I get anxiety that I don't know if I'm on track or not Mm-hmm. So I'm just thinking that, oh, have I met what I'm, you know, the outcomes or am I doing what I'm supposed to be doing? Like, because I, I have this thing in my head that I want to get through everything. And so yeah. to ensure that I'll have a timetable and I'll work up to a deadline that's set a little bit before the actual exam. Uh, and then I'll just try and stick to that. But it's hilarious. You should see my timetable. So I, what I have <laughs> is I write everything I'm going to do and then I don't stick to it. And then everything just shifts. So do you find it helps with your, your kind of uh, like psychological state in, in, in the sense that you can know that you've addressed everything because the content's so much, isn't it? There's so much yeah. content. Like, mm. Exactly. So you kind of use it as a way to sort of settle yourself down and know that you've, 
you've covered all the, the parts that you need to cover, right? Yeah, I think you're, you've, you've got it right. I think it's the psychological state more than anything. Just seeing physically written on there that, oh, you're going to do this. And oh, at that point, you're going to be done. Uh, yeah, you yeah, know, rather than really. like day by day thinking, like if what you do, so if I just couldn't, I couldn't do that because I'd be like, <laughs> what am I doing? Like I just stop <laughs> panicking. So that's my approach. But I think to be honest, it's with most things, I think it's just very personal and there's no one right way of doing it. It's just what makes you happy. Um, so even though Sophie you said you don't necessarily kind of schedule yourself a, a timetable do you kind of set yourself goals for each day yeah 100 percent. and like I will have an overarching list of maybe learning objectives that I need to address or um, topics or lectures that I need to go through but I'll maybe I'll have a, that a, a list on the side of all of that and then each day I'll pick a few from that list to do that day if you know what I mean because sometimes you might have scheduled in a module for a day and then you're like I'm not really feeling studying pathology today and if I just feel like if you're not in the mood to do it yeah I agree it's gonna be good it does depend on your mood as well doesn't it I think a lot of the time yeah yeah one thing that I do is if you're struggling to figure out oh my god where do I start if you I know we have so many topics but if you have it like as a on a, a google docs or something and you can go through and highlight, okay, what am I really rubbish at? What mm-hmm. am I all right at? And what am I happy with? And then don't make the mistake of starting with what you're happy with. Because if you're happy with it, you're happy with it for a reason. <laughs> so yeah. go and tackle the stuff that you're like, oh my God. It's a bit like, I think we discussed this a few weeks ago in one of our episodes. If, you, if the exam was tomorrow, what would you be like? Oh my God, I am screwed. Mm. Start off with that. And that's what I personally use to start off my revision. Because I know at least um, I've got that in the bag. And if I just revise that a few more times, then I'll be at the level of the green light. So that's one of my top tips. Like you don't have to have always be structured, but structure yeah. what you're good at and what you're really bad at. Mm. I think it's playing to those moments when you do get uh, sort of moments of motivation. Um, so like you said, Gaia, that, you know, once you kind of settle into something and you're doing something that perhaps... Um, you maybe are enjoying and you feel that your motivation is starting to rise there's opportunities then isn't there to kind of like right I'm going to strike while the iron's hot while I'm feeling in a good mood I'm going to pick one of those topics that I've been putting off uh, and really try and get my teeth into it um and and I think from 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 what you've said Nikita and and Sophie that the bottom line really is you know isn't necessarily you know whether you create a timetable or not you know that's very much down to personal preference but I think Mm -hmm. setting yourself goals is important Mm -hmm. isn't it and having that wider overview of okay what have I got to do and and how am I going to kind of try and tackle that and then there's there's lots of ways of doing that that don't necessarily just have to be in a a timetable format yeah absolutely I was just going to add to that because like uh, I I would love to be organized enough to have a timetable. I would honestly <laughs> love it. I've never been able to do it because I'm very kind of go with my, how I feel on the day. And I know like a timetable is just like, uh, I don't feel like doing anatomy today. I feel like doing a bit of uh, public health stuff, for example. Mm-hmm. But what I've started to develop doing is like having this document or piece of paper, which has got all the stuff that I know I need to cover at some point. And sometimes it needs to be done multiple times based on how well you know it. And, you know, that could be colour-coded if, if, you, if you can get that. But then what I do is I link topics together and I say, uh, okay, I'm going to study, you know, something about head and neck anatomy, but I'm also at the same time going to go and 
steady thyroid stuff and then i'm going to also try and bring in like screening as well and also talk about um another topic which is linked to that so i'll always try and put like three or four string three or four things together from different sort of semesters and modules and that way i can know that i'm continually covering a lot of ground rather than sort of sticking to i'm today i'm going to do this and then tomorrow i'm going to do that because i think a lot of the questions sometimes are interlinked um and they bring out different areas so i've personally found that an easier way to navigate through all the kind of chaos i think um yeah i do something similar to that as well kish and that if i mean i i don't have the attention span to be flitting between things like that i think mm. that's something maybe that you're quite good at but um for me if i come across something like you say you're studying head and neck and you come across something to do with the thyroid instead of going to that then and there i'll make a note and say right tomorrow i need to look at hypothyroidism yeah. hyperthyroidism you know some some of that sort of thing so yeah similar similar to that really i think what you um you describe uh, there kish in terms of what what you're doing is, is is something called interleaving and it's actually a really yeah. uh, effective study strategy in terms of finding those par- you know different topics but you're finding parallels between them um yeah. and in it in it's actually you know can be quite an effective way of um you know making sure that as you're learning that 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 that, that learning sticks but i think you're right sophie that 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 can be quite tricky um you know if you're someone that likes to sit down and get your head into something uh it can feel quite disruptive to suddenly i need to change track um but but actually in some ways that that can be that can be a good thing Mm -hmm. i think that brings us nicely on to to strategies um so we've talked about you know planning the importance of setting some form of goal and having a a broader overview of what you would want to try and get through uh, you know in time for the exam what what sort of strategies are you using them when it comes to revision active recall (laughs) we just love it (laughs) mic drop what what does that even mean what does that mean do you want me to define it okay well my concept of active recall recall is just plucking out the information from your brain and using questions and other sort of stimuli um to remember something that you've learned a few days ago last night whatever um active recall is not reading your notes again that is not active recall so don't do that do not do that slapped hands (laughs) yeah and there's so many different ways um that you can do it my way um is by using anki the flashcard app and i have um, loads and loads of uh, thousands of flashcards is actually ridiculous <laughs> me too but, yeah <laughs> it's actually unhealthy um but yeah i use that to um kind of stimulate and jog my memory in that sense I, what what do you guys do in terms of active recall if you use it at all yeah i, I definitely use it because i think in the episode with ali we spoke about the space repetition stuff and the the spreadsheet and stuff so i started using that a year back and that worked and basically, I just make a note of a date. So I do one day, three days a week, and so on. Just, just for those topic. listeners that might not have caught our um, yes. Ali Abdul uh, episode, which I think was episode four. 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 Five. 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 I just have to go back. And <laughs> <laughs> um, just, could, could you just explain, Nikita, a little bit more about kind of the... Because you use this, don't you? This, yeah. this this spreadsheet, this retrospective revision timetable. So could you just explain a little bit about what that is and how it brings in this idea of active recall and spacing? Yeah, sure. It's basically what I do is I just make a couple tabs at the bottom of each module that we do each semester. Uh, and then I just list the sessions 
Um, and I put like a, what I do is on the spreadsheet, I put a date next to the topic, the day that we were taught it. And then I set that and then I build up the three days a week. And then um, what I usually do is color code the day that I do that topic as to whether I did it, I remembered it well, or I really struggled with it. Um, and then uh, what I also usually do is just, I just kind of modified it a bit, but I write a very quick summary of the topic because I started to realize this in revision that if you can summarize it in a, this much, like a, a, in a small paragraph, you know, then why not? Because you don't need to write like pages and pages if you can concisely bring it into, you know, one single theme. Mm -hmm. So mm -hmm. I used to do that. And it was more just as a, I mean, my, so my personal tutor always kept telling us, can you please not write notes? I really don't recommend it because you're not going to go back to it. And I, even I found that I didn't go back to it. But in this spreadsheet, what I did is I always used to just write a quick summary just because it's nice to go back to to give a structure to a topic mm -hmm. you know like sometimes topics are so overwhelming you don't really know where to start to yeah. where to begin but that kind of just would give it a bit of a, a structure but that's basically what I did and I just look back at it and 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 work off that and honestly it's helped me so much the whole recall so I, what I would do is when I sat down I would do a quick mind map or just a massive like regurge of just writing 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 it's why my writing's deteriorated because I can't be bothered <laughs> to write properly so I just anyway but um but yeah that's what I did and and it honestly it's helped so much like stuff stuck with me for so long and I can't believe it because in school I used to just revise the exam cram and then degree revise the exam cram and now I'm with, and I wish I did this before in my life and I would have been yeah. a different person, but you know. I think it comes back to that basic concept, doesn't it? That I think Jared touched on as well, uh, that it's not about what you put in, it's about doing it out. And we're so like all year we've been putting things in, haven't we? Generally. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. And we should have been taking it out with all of the, the workbook sessions and perhaps group work or by ourselves. But come revision time, you know it has to come out because it, it is in there somewhere and i think the combination of keep getting it out and then just checking check and, and i think that's you know I, I use the learning objective so i just have like a list of them blank no answers on them i just turn them into a question and then i'll try and write it down and then i then go and search the internet my notes what mm -hmm. kind of lecture notes to try and see yep was that right no it wasn't and just take it that way really I think as well what you described with the, you know, you kind of put this into a spreadsheet, uh, didn't you, Nikita, that you, you're kind of preparing yourself with a really helpful scaffold for when you do come to revision. Like th this shouldn't be something that you, do, you kind of just put together when you're sitting down to revise. You know, if you've got something that you're adding to over the course of the semester that is mapping out what you've done over the course of that, that year or that semester, then when you do sit down to do revision, you think, right, what do I need to study? you're not sitting down thinking, right, I've got to create a list of things now as to what, what I need to kind of focus on. You've already got it. You've already got a record of when you last revisited it and a record of things that you know you found particularly hard and perhaps need yeah. to focus your, your efforts on at that time in, in, uh, in your revision. And I think, you know, just, just coming back to the active recall point is, um, so, you know, Gaia and uh, Sophie, you, you, you know, you highlighted you know, the use of flashcards and, and how helpful you found them. And the key to you talked about a slightly different way of effectively still doing active recall, which was, you know, putting stuff out into a mind map or scribbling something on a piece of paper. The, the, the process is what's key. It's that pulling stuff out of memory. It's whatever form that comes out of you in, whether that's verbally thinking in your head, scribbling it down, drawing a picture, 
is almost like that that's not the most important bit of it uh, is it it's the actual right I know I've got memories in there. We know from our conversations with our uh, educational neuroscientists in our last episode that those memories are there. The problem is accessing them, isn't it? And mm. if you don't practice access, your memories become friable and a bit rubbish and you're going to the exam and you're, you're not going to be rehearsed in being able to access those, those memories. And the exam yeah. is not the time you want to find out. You can't retrieve them. <laughs> yeah. yeah. That's, I find so true, that that's a... what you're doing, isn't it? Yeah. in the exam you're just retrieving memories and if you if you've been doing that for you know a couple of weeks or months before it's just going to make it a lot more easy been I think. doing it throughout the semester um yeah. you know and you know and i, and I appreciate this because you know I, I i was a student i still am a student there's still things that I, you know I, I continue to to learn but there is this real tendency to to almost put active recall off to primarily a revision strategy and it really isn't. It's such a useful strategy to be using to learn things in the first place. Yeah. You know, so one of the, you know, while we're talking about the period leading up to, to revision, a lot of what we're talking about, you will put yourself ahead of the game if you start these things early. So don't store up questions. If there's quizzes and formatives and things like that on stuff that you don't feel you're quite ready to do and you're like, oh, wait, wait till revision. Don't. Do them as they come in. Get things wrong, make mistakes, and you'll, you'll learn through that process and I feel like just to add on to that Lisa the only way I managed to actually do that consistently over the semester was to schedule it in if we had a lecture and it was head and neck um before the lecture or like in the morning or whatever I'd be like right one hour just smash through as many flashcards you can doesn't matter if you don't know anything at least you've seen it processed it and next week you might do better and I think accept that you're going to have mini failures at the beginning because it's going to be hard mm -hmm. at the beginning like you're not going to pick up everything straight away, but it's just habits. And I think we're going to, this yep. is going to be a constant like fluid <laughs> theme, habit forming and scheduling stuff and a bunch of other things. So I think just continuously like, is that even a word? Con continue, <laughs> continue to practice these habits. Common theme. Uh, yeah, there we go. <laughs> but I also, I just feel like, you know, with what, what all of you are saying is this whole idea of testing yourself in between. I, I, I really struggle with that because of what you were saying, Lisa, specifically, that knowing that you don't know everything, why, why the hell am I even attempting this question if I don't know everything? Mm. Like, why am I trying this if I'm not armed with? And that's what used to prevent me and everything used to pile up towards the end. So I still struggle with that. So what do you got? Like, what, what's your advice There's, in terms of, you know, you're never ready you? like with medicine, yeah. like, I, I yeah. did the same as well. You think that yeah, I'll wait until I'm ready. And then you think, you know, when can you be ready, <laughs> to, be ready? to know everything there is to know about there this thing? Go. And that the is answer true. is never as a never, medical yeah. student. So I think it's better sooner than later because yeah. you've sat in the lecture, haven't you? You know, you've, you, like we said, you've done the pre-reading, you've probably done a little bit of work. So you, you were ready at that time is when mm. is the time to learn. Yeah. later it just doesn't come because there's just so much content and i think that's the dangerous game we play if there's yeah. just one thing you need to know then you can put it off but i think with the volume and stuff it's just best to sort of yeah do it as you go along i think with what you're saying Kish, it's probably just the idea of not striving for 100 percent all the time you know when you think yeah. i need to reach that 100 percent, and that's yeah. when it's yeah it's never going to happen so you you need to i think it's more about like failing first then you get to 100 exactly. rather than saying yep. i want to get to 100 first and then i'll check that I'm at 100%. <laughs> yeah yeah, yeah. <laughs> that's, true. that's true that is true the only way you're gonna feel like you're ready is by doing it when you weren't ready to begin with and if you don't do an like a a quiz that the lecturer is set to do with a certain topic 
you know, within a week of after the lecture, if you leave it until revision, then you're never going to have got that base level of knowledge to build on the rest of the module mm -hmm. with, if that makes sense. That's true. Yeah, You've yeah. just got to like go into it head on. And like you say, when you fail, that's when you remember and you're sitting in an exam and you go, I remember I got that something like that wrong on a quiz earlier in the semester yeah. and now I know the answer to it. Yeah, yeah, that's true. That's really kind true. fits in a little bit with what Jared was, was talking about with how the brain acquires new learning and new information is that, you know, we're constantly, aren't we, in this predictor mode. So, you know, we're presented with something, we kind of think we know the answer or we know what the outcome might be. And when we're surprised and, and, and jolted into something that didn't fit what we expected, that's when our brain sort of kicks up a gear and is receptive to learning something new. So if you don't ever present yourself with situations that are jolting you mm -hmm. into thinking, oh, I don't know that. Oh, oh, that wasn't what I was, I was expecting. You're never going to, you're going to be missing such rich opportunities to get into that, that coda mode, that, that rich, yeah. proper learning part of your of your brain yeah and I, I was getting those jolts in the exam you know? <laughs> <laughs> I'm sure we all were I keep getting the jolts in the it exam happens. and I'm like something's not right here <laughs> just taking the hits like oh god <laughs> like the stem like the clinical stem like oh man this is not fitting with what I thought and then it's just like oh yeah terrible so uh, just then sort of thinking about attitude you know we know exams are an inevitable part of, of education and, and for those in in sort of healthcare professions there's going to be a, a, a few more coming your way even as a, as a postgraduate what kind of attitude do you have or how do you kind of frame your thinking in the leading up to, to exams do you know what this is a really interesting one for me because I was having a discussion with my partner right before this latest exam and he was saying do you know what every year you take an exam it's less days, like fewer and fewer days before the exam that you have your breakdowns. <laughs> so like, <laughs> so but before I'd be like the, a week before exams, I'd be in this like really negative headspace, really stressed out. And then it was like a couple of days before. And this year it was like maybe the day before, but then I got over it and just like watched some TV and got on with my day. But yeah, I think it's like, again, calling back to the episode with Jared, it is the story you tell yourself. And if you're constantly in a negative headspace leading up to it and thinking, about everything you don't know mm -hmm. you forget all the things that you do know yeah and that's what's going to count yeah. yeah so like yeah as you were saying Sophie you know as time goes on I think our kind of mentality around exams it does evolve because you know that's the way we are and for me personally like my experience through life and things coming back to education coming back to medical school to say I want to be a doctor and this is why I now approach exams in a way that this allows me to be the person that I want to be in my life. Like mm. It gives me the opportunity to live the life that I believe in. And I don't try, I try not to see it as a kind of barrier or a kind of difficulty. I try and see it as an opportunity to be like, you know, now I'm living the life that I want to live, that I believe in, um, that I'm happy for. And this is like an opportunity. And I've found just telling myself that story has improved my kind of, my mental state, my ability to study, my motivation and all of those things. And I think that story is really important, especially in the revision period where things are stressful. So yeah, that's just my kind of perspective of it. You know, that's, that's really nice. And it's rare for, I think, students to think that way, because this is almost going back to, I think it was episode one, you know, the film quote, the don't taste um, results, but go after excellence. Now I say that and I believe in it, 
but I don't do it in the run-up, which is terrible. I, I, I'm still like, oh, that exam, you know, come on, let's do this. And then I'm like, oh man, but I want to chill out a bit. But then I'm like, no, no, but if I chill out, then I'll forget stuff. And so I'm in a very, very strange, tricky, it's like a balance almost where I'll relax. But then I'm also, I see a balance in everything. Like I can't, I can't see as, oh, positive, positive, positive. There has to be a bit of a, whether you call it superstition or just your own psychological nonsense, but it's, I'm always in a very like, in a t- sort of, what's it called? Like a seesaw state, if you like, before exams. Yeah, that's me, but. A level of stress is important, isn't it? Because it, it's what, you know, motivates and drives us sometimes to get things done by, by deadlines. Yeah. But it, it's when that, that level of stress starts to tip over into, into unhelpful uh, yeah. realms, isn't it? The, the, the other important thing as well in, in terms of the pre-exam state and probably feeds into that kind of adopting a, a healthy attitude or outlook on things is what you do when you're not studying and how you schedule the, you know, the importance of kind of non-academic extracurricular stuff just to kind of keep, keep you in a healthy headspace. How do you, you know, how do you schedule that into your time, particularly as you're getting closer and closer to the exam? I, since like revision period began, I realized how my like tiredness and my hunger like work. So I scheduled stuff that I wanted to get done when I was hung, like not when I was hungry, but when I was getting tired and like, I didn't really want to do any work. <laughs> it would always be from 3 to 4 p.m. every day. <laughs> I'd be like, I'm not feeling... I don't know why. I like, I, I like work at a schedule because I know that this is my routine. Like, might as well continue it. But 3 to 4 p.m., I just do anything. Like, I think I mentioned last week that um, I started, like, doing watercolour paintings because mm-hmm. I got them when I was 11, haven't touched them since. So that was quite therapeutic. And watch Netflix. I got through three seasons of suits so like, oh. no I can't believe I'm admitting this now but yeah I got three, three seasons of suits and like my housemates had come down it'd be 6 p.m and I'd be like ready for dinner they'd be like oh what are you doing guy are you watching suits and I'm like yep like they know that that's how I work so because I had things to look forward to it made my day a little bit more pleasant and I think that's something that you should always make sure you do because imagine you have a whole week, you have so many hours of the day and all you're doing is revising and you haven't really achieved your own personal goals. So mm. I think that's really important to not only set academic goals, but goals for the week in terms of, okay, even if it's like doing the laundry, like that's sick. Like during exam season, like that sounds like a chore, but if you make it fun, like basic things like that, it just makes everything a bit more exciting and you feel like a normal human being during revision <laughs> that's true basically yeah, yeah I think even if you don't have um like a revision timetable having an idea of how long you're going to spend studying that day like what what your cutoff is you know non-negotiables are eating drinking getting a good amount of sleep and you know maybe like getting out for a walk or going to the gym or doing you know something that you enjoy and I think if you have those as your non-negotiables that you're going to do then you won't descend into this pit of just like revision sleep revision sleep yeah because you can easily fall into that and and that's kind of what happens because I, I kind of I think uh the only thing I really do is is the whole watching tv business or Netflix or whatever you call it because it doesn't spend much of your cognitive energy it's very passive for me um and then and and but what that does is that just enables you to return to work with a fresh mind, yep. uh, which is so, so important because it's, it, you know, we'll talk about exams and stuff, but you know, when you return to something with a fresh mind, 
you think in a different way that you didn't yeah. before. And it's, it's okay. just, that's how I see it. That something that doesn't make me spend that energy, that cognitive energy, uh, yeah. you know, there's, it's always that balance again. But you say that you don't really want to spend your cognitive energy, that maybe it's towards revision. But I also find like, another thing I tried to master in lockdown was playing the guitar again, because I had had it for three years, haven't touched it. I feel like I picked up every skill possible. <laughs> <laughs> I think that's procrastination, Gaia. <laughs> maybe we'll see how it all plays out Um, honestly like it it gave it gave me like an uplifting feeling once I'd like I don't know covered a song or like learn how to play something it just gives you like another dose of like happiness so I think it's really important if you are out there and you do play an instrument or you feel like oh I want to do this but I don't really have the time you do have time you just need to organize it and honestly at the end of the day you'll go to bed like okay I've done revision I've done my fun activity now I can just go to sleep it's so true isn't it like I think you know what you said where you come down to study and you feel fresh and however you achieve that whether it's like playing the guitar and doing something you enjoy but like don't you guys find that sometimes when you're studying you completely like lose track of what's happening in the world Mm, like you're just in this zone you're in this bubble and it doesn't happen every time obviously like but there's times where you sit down and you think, wow, if I just spent an hour learning this and you yeah. just, you didn't realize. And there's other times where you're, you're conscious of every single second. And yeah. I think what I've started <laughs> to do is, is not say to myself, you know, like Kish, you're not thinking about work, you know, you're hungry or you want to chill or you want to go out, do it because there's no point studying at that time. But when you're in those zone moments, like honestly, it can be, I could study for like eight hours a day sometimes, but then there's other days where it's like, 15 minutes is too much yeah. and I think just being comfortable with that is so key because you know there are times where you just want to do other things and then there's there's times where studying just really works mm-hmm. yeah. yeah students talk about the guilt isn't it you know the guilt the, oh don't feel guilty yeah don't feel guilty yeah, we're people aren't we at the end of the day like true, you're gonna true. Have your bad days. you've still got to you know prioritize those things haven't you but and I, I think that's the key isn't it? i think uh, you said that you, you've got to to schedule them and plan them because otherwise it's so easy as you get nearer to that exam for for exam preparation and study to become all encompassing and you, you mm-hmm. talk yourself out of you know anything else being important uh, at that period in time and and you know things like that are you know they, they keep your brain in a manner that makes it more receptive to learning so the time that you do sit down studying uh, it's going to be a much more quality uh, period of study than if you're if you're tired or you know haven't seen friends for for days exactly, hours or whatever yeah, so yeah, yeah. <laughs> okay so we, we've we've kind of talked about strategies leading up to planning your revision planning your study some techniques highlighting again the importance of that active recall so retrieval uh, from from memory and, and spacing and and actually planning those things in early don't kind of leave this until until the weeks that actually lead up to the exam as we come then closer to the actual exam itself what you know you're kind of standing outside the exam hall maybe um what are you doing to kind of mentally prepare yourself uh, for, for going in i mean this year i was listening to music so that was my calming mechanism um this was just on the we were walking in and like to wear our masks and stuff because covid hit us this year really hard um <laughs> but that's what i do i don't know if any of you guys do anything different to just listening to music I do this, I do the Superman thing. Like I started doing it a few years ago 
the grown well, up before interviews i don't know where I, I, I picked it up from but it works for me like if i have to do a speech or if i have to do um like an interview or an exam i will kind of get into like a power pose put both hands in the air pretend that i'm like you know the best person in the world Wait, what's this Big superman I'm like, is this a term no he did i think he li- so. literally doesn't you like stand like a superhero yeah. and make you yourself like, a superhero, like feel right? empowered Oh, oh, really? is it a thing? Also, yeah, it's like positive affirmations, like positive reinforcement, oh, and have... you just feel great. And then you know oh. you go into what you're doing and bring it on. Like even oh, if that's you, fab. even if because otherwise I get get anxious and have negative thoughts, and then one thing piles on top of the other. Whereas if I do this, all of that just breaks down, oh, and wow. I'm I'm positive. Even if I may not have a reason to be positive, <laughs> I've just made it. <laughs> so I, I always do that, and I listen to like. The world's greatest by R. Kelly or something like that. Yeah, <laughs> I was yeah, doing yeah. it. <laughs> Just try and get what that going. That's, that's good. That's, that's really good. cool. I should try that actually next time. Because usually what it is is, I mean, not specifically outside the exam hall, but just say the night before. You know, the night before. Oh, I get like, to the toilet. Should yeah, I? Honestly. Oh, really? Oh, yeah. God. Like, I, literally before I go in. <laughs> I don't know if I should be saying this on it, but like before I, like literally before I do something, I will go and do that. Like, it's a superman thing. Oh, five my minutes God. before. Wow. Yeah, I don't know. It works for me. No, the last few enough. years I've been doing it. I mean, uh, this the first time this year actually I listened to music before an exam. For the, not just before the exam, but night before. Usually night before I'm like, what should I revise? Uh, but then I reached a point where we're at a point where we know so much that you don't yeah. know what to revise. So <laughs> I, was, I, was, I don't think this is possible. So I just put uh, earphones into my and then I was just like, no, I'll just listen to music. So that's what I did for the first time. And it was really relaxing actually. But sometimes there are points where no, I just want to do that topic because sometimes I have come across a fact mm-hmm. I didn't know and it's like oh I didn't know that what had become an exam <laughs> yeah and I was gonna like, say oh. that saved yeah. my bacon a few times skimming through things but I would <laughs> like zero out of ten would not recommend like very <laughs> yeah. stressful experience for everyone involved I think um, it, I think it depends on how you do it because what I did I, re- I always like find new ways to do things like a week before the exam which really annoys me so now <laughs> making sure that I do this anyway but what I did was like a week before the exam, I started compiling a few things that I would, I, I knew I couldn't really take in because I didn't have the brain capacity or if that's even a thing. But I was like, let me just appreciate this kind of concept. And I just read it every night. And that's what I did like more so on, so our exam was on Monday. So on Saturday and Sunday, I just calmly scrolled through my iPad and this is just whilst listening to like peaceful music. So it depends how you look at it. Like because I was in a calm state of mind, it wasn't like, too um scary to look at everything um mm. so that's what i did and obviously i might have mentioned this before when we were talking but i ordered myself a domino's on saturday and that was the best thing ever so. <laughs> <laughs> treat yourself as well but just yeah. make sure you don't eat weird food so you like vomit all up on monday <laughs> <laughs> but i didn't do that domino's um just gives me happiness so. that's that's good <laughs> yeah so so you go in you, you've you've got yourself in your superman pose and you've got some inspiring music in your ears and then obviously you know you've got to put all your electronics and things to one side yeah. so you sit down you face with the paper what's what's your technique then and we, we said we'd focus more on the sort of single best answer papers or um that might be similar to perhaps uh, multiple choice questions that, that other universities or med schools might use but effectively it's a sort of question isn't it and then uh, five options and you've got to kind of work out which is the the best option of the five so what what's your approach then what do you do you sit down you've got this two-hour exam or whatever what's your approach my best piece of advice for this is like i will have one like the pen in one hand blank paper in the other hand 
and then just kind of reading the stem carefully, picking out the important details, because I think they're all in there for a reason. Um, and then without even looking at the answers, I will try and answer the question by myself. And if I can, and then I will then look at the answers. And if I like what I see, and uh, I, might, I might have a sneak peek at the other ones. But, you know, that would be my biggest piece of advice. And then I think if, if you can't get the answer, that's when you need to start drawing on the other answers and your knowledge and ruling things out. Mm-hmm. That would be my first kind of step. I think just to build on what Kish was saying, like you've got your pen in your hand, you've got the spare paper as well. One new thing that I discovered in this exam again as well is that I found that I was jotting down a lot in a sense that I was picking out information from my brain that was in relation to the stem of the question to try and piece everything together. And the reason why I did this, and I build about like one and a half size, like not just essays, just little words and mnemonics and stuff, was so that when I was checking through my work, I knew what my brain was thinking at the time initially with a fresh mind. Mm-hmm. So I wouldn't be swayed by, oh no, but option B is similar to option D. So I knew that if this is my gut feeling from what I know, I'm, uh, what I know already, then that's probably going to be right. And this made sure that I justified like, okay, question 33 is definitely correct because I drew this diagram and this is correct. So that's my biggest learning point. And I think I'm going to continue that for the rest of my school and exams as well, just so that you don't second guess yourself to prevent that from happening. That's good. Yeah. I think that's the best piece of advice to give because uh, one of my fourth year friends now, she told me to do that because I've always struggled. I think I mentioned this before, single best answer freaks me out because it's just you know, if you don't get it right, you don't get it right. And the thing is, I personally struggle with coming up with a list of differentials, say, so like a list of possible, you know, diagnoses from a STEM. I, I have the immediate instinct to jump to the answers and just hope that you find the one that clicks the most. I still do that now. And I struggle to, you know, stop myself from looking at the, at the answers below. So that's something I'm trying to work on. But just naturally, because of the time pressure, sometimes I just, I fail at doing that. And it ultimately becomes going straight to the options, picking out the one that you yeah, like the most. Yeah. So that's something I, I struggle with. But I think the more students, basically as a piece of advice, the more students start putting that into practice during revision, uh, where they look at a STEM, just think about it, think of differentials as opposed to if they put that into practice and they run up, the, run up to the exam, in the exam, it'll become second nature, as opposed to me who's still trying to get to grips with it because I didn't potentially practice it before. So I think, yeah, that's a really, really good piece of advice to give. I think if you come at it from looking at the answers first, you could probably expend a lot of energy and anxiety trying to recall things about those answer options that aren't even relevant to being able to answer the question yeah whereas if you come at it from a question first and then think what are my thoughts on this before i even see the answers and why are my thoughts that which is what you're saying guy isn't it is Mm. it's helpful to kind of have some kind of record of where your head was at and your thoughts were at an hour ago when you first attempted that question And, and, you know, and I, th- I think, I think, you know, what, what, what Kish was describing with, you know, and, and yourself, Gaia, that, you know, thinking, right, what do I think the answer is before looking at the answer options just stops that kind of subtle bias and influence of, of things, information in there that are just noise sometimes. The answers are designed like their single best answers, aren't they? So one of them is the best answer. Yeah. And there is a distractor there. And there is maybe some other answers. So the danger with looking at the answers first is that you've read, I don't know, something about opioid overdose, and then you've seen some answers and they look familiar, but they Mm -hmm. will look familiar because that's the whole point of it. 
And so I think that's where it becomes kind of problematic because you're then looking at familiar answers with a stem and you're going to get yourself into a mess because, you know, the question is directing you along one place only. And I think it's a different story if you don't know the answer. Yeah. I, I think yeah. that's really where, that, for what I do when I don't know the answer, then I sort of curse myself. Let's, and... <laughs> let's try and hit on that. So we yeah. figured out, okay, we know this topic properly. We calculate it first. We write down answers on a piece of paper. Boom, the answer's there. Happy days. Mm-hmm. What about if you're stuck? If you're like, mm-hmm. This yeah. happens to me a lot in the exam, I've got to be honest. Yeah. You're stuck between two. So what do you guys do if you're stuck between two? What is your thinking? Do you flag the question? Yeah, what do you guys what do you guys do? Yeah, flag it. Flag you it flag for sure. It. Okay. Yeah, it yeah. Depends how long you're taking on it though. If, okay. if you're you know, if you're doing well for time, yeah. You can sit there and kind of you know, you've got it narrowed down to two. Think about the you know the the physiological processes or you know the pathology that's underlying both of them and try and break it down and like bring it back to that understanding that you've got and the the baseline knowledge and try and work it out but yeah absolutely if you're taking like five minutes on one question you've got to think are those work marks worth it and can i flag it and come back to it because you can be using marks on something that you do know really well yeah just to to quickly add on that sure um, once again i'm so uh, passionate now about writing down your thoughts if you're stuck between b and d write your reasoning down why do i think it's b and why do i also think it's d when you come back your thoughts are there once again so yeah. and i keep repeating this just because it's so important um so that you're able to visualize what you were thinking at the time yeah, yeah. i like to come back to it as well because i think that when you're not entirely sure and yes you've got a bit of um reasoning around it and then when you come back to it you're in a different place aren't you your mind's yeah. slightly different you've got a different perspective True. i'm not saying you're cleverer now after half yeah. an hour <laughs> yeah but yeah, yeah. i think it's helpful to have that second look and be like you know what why are you thinking that that's yeah. that's, that's silly you know because you've been prompted by the things and then you you might get to the right answer yeah yeah i think it's definitely what we're saying it's a combination of the i also look at it this way that that you know the combination of the difficulty of that topic that you know is this a topic i've revised well it's just at this point i can't and then it's more likely i'll come back to it later if it's a topic i know i haven't studied very well so suppose like public health or population science and i see the question i'm like yeah i'm never going to get that right so i'll just you know go past it but if it's a question that i know that topic yes i've covered it but it's just that i can't answer it at this point then i'll flag it and i'll come back to it so it's, you have to be strategic i feel in ways yeah. and you you sift through those things in your head in your own ways yeah, do you know what, guys, as well, like, I'm really bad for this, um, but if, if you've been deliberating over, but over a question for ages and you've been toying up between two and you pick one, don't come back and look at that afterwards again because I've changed so many answers <laughs> in my time that have ended up being right and you second-guess yourself. If you've spent enough time on it and you haven't just, like, randomly gone eeny, meeny, miny, moe and picked one, <laughs> then, like, just leave it. You've... you've, you've gone past that now that's in the past because you're more than likely you need to go with your gut on a lot of it yeah i think that's, that's true because you've got to be you've got to be like you say strategic with your time haven't you you know mm-hmm. that there is a time limit in which you've got to complete x number of questions so you have to to prioritize how much time you're going to allow yourself on questions that are particularly tricky but at the end of the day are only worth one mark mm-hmm. i think we, we've so we've kind of talked a little bit about uh, how you might start to work out the answer to a question and you know this balance between not necessarily going to the answer options and spending too much time on them but actually what is the clinical stem and, and what's the question and i think another thing i'd add to that is 
a suggestion of so usually with a single best answer question you have kind of a, a clinical paragraph that describes i don't know 50 year old gentleman presents to the gp with um an erythematous itchy rash um on the flex, flexor aspect of, of his of his arm and when you're kind of reading that information you, you're trying to sort of think right what what you know there'll, there'll be things that come into mind with 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 that you can almost risk going off on a tangent with your thoughts into areas that aren't relevant to actually what the question will be at the end of the scenario. So if you go straight to the scenario and you're like, oh, right, this, this could be eczema, um, it could be cellulitis, blah, 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 blah. And then the question comes and it's, it's something that doesn't relate to any of those things that, that you've just done. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah, uh, so yeah. a suggestion would be to like read what the, literally what is the question? So if the question is like, what's going to be my drug management? What's going to, what's the diagnosis? What's the next step in managing this patient? And have that in mind when you start to read through the scenario, because then you'll know what are, what are the important things that I need to take out of this yeah. scenario to get to the answer. Whereas you can't have that insight as you're just starting reading the clinical scenario if you don't know what your question is going to be. Can I, can I say something related to that? I'm not sure whether this is, whether I've understood what you're saying correctly, but I mean, I, I had a question in the exam where I looked at it and I immediately thought, oh, it's this. And then I, I almost designed my own question. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and I, yeah. I came out of the exam and I said to my friends, oh, yeah, this question. And they were like, yeah, so this is the answer. I said, why did you say that? The question was this, this, this. And they were like, no, it wasn't. That was not the question. And I was like, oh, my God, I just made my own question. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> that happens to me as well. You should be an examiner. <laughs> Come yeah. and join the uh, SBA writing team. <laughs> But I mean, it's horrible. It's like, also, it's, it's a function of just, yeah, quickly, oh, this is what they're going to ask me. But also, you're, when you're rushing, like, the other thing I just want to quickly slip in is my mum, from day one of, like, exam in history, she used to tell me, do not rush, do not rush, do not rush. And I used to think, I don't rush, I'll be fine. <laughs> and then comes to the exam, and I'm rushing like anything. And then, <laughs> and then because of the rushing, I make up my own questions. It's just, it's just awful. And then I just, like, she was so right. Coming <laughs> back rush. to that point of, you know, when you make your own questions i think we fall into a habit as med students of kind of saying um pulmonary fibrosis whatever it is just the diagnosis and like i don't know about you guys and these will be able to help us more with this but questions are never really you know what is this very like a handful of questions might say what what is the most likely diagnosis but it's always a spin-off around that and i think when you're doing questions you're almost i'm licking my lips because i'm thinking excellent here we go here we go then they just tell you it's excellent and i'm like yeah oh my God. <laughs> i was gonna <laughs> say that <laughs> that's, that's stressing me out i'm that's like so i revised this whole topic yeah. i know i know asthma or eczema or whatever inside out and you're giving me the answer in the question it's so that's annoying unfair but then the question's often about something else to do with yeah, to yeah, do with yeah. that yeah fair. And i think and it's yeah, often a, a two-step yeah. approach, isn't it? It's not mm. just, I've got to think about one thing and I answer the question. It's actually, I've got to think about this that then makes me think about this and then mm. I've got an answer. Yeah, I think that happens more as well as you go through the years of medical school, you know, because you've got, most places have like a spiral curriculum and you're, mm -hmm. you're building on knowledge and then it's not going to be a straightforward a question anymore. <laughs> it's going to be drawing from multiple topics. So yeah it's inevitable isn't it yeah that's a really good tip actually lisa i think i'll use that about reading the question first you're welcome <laughs> yeah i'm gonna use that too i just thought i don't know if we touched on this or not but in terms of say if you saw a question you're like i did not know anything about this question what do you guys do 
when it's completely like zero when, blank. When zero. you're like, yeah. you know what? I yeah. don't know this topic yeah. well enough to answer this question, um, but you can't even make an educated guess. So, or what's worse, it? you don't, don't recognise any of the words. Yeah, you yeah. don't recognise <laughs> the, like... the answer options or, yeah, there's a lot of variation to that. I mean, we shouldn't really put ourselves in our situation, but then... Yeah. No, it does happen though now and then, doesn't it? Like I can think of a couple of questions in the last exam where I just uh, yeah, yeah. Where everything was alien, yeah, and kind of try not let it get to you. I think I think that's mm. the most important yeah. thing because m- most of the stuff you will know, there will be a handful of stuff that you yeah. don't know, but don't let that damage your your confidence throughout the exam because mm. it's not important. Mm. I think sometimes you can work an answer out. So, for example, like mm, would like an anatomy question, like you know what does this muscle do sometimes the name will relate to its function or yeah. where it attaches and things like that if you can work out something to do with like nomenclature sometimes you can eke it well. out but yeah just don't let it bother you and then like if it's not negative marking just pick one mm-hmm. yeah, but i think that's what i end up doing for one of the calculation questions i was pressing my calculator <laughs> <laughs> numbers are coming out trying to make a number and work. i was like maybe if i just times this by five and i was like oh, it's when you do that you've done like your, your really complicated calculation you're like you look at your screen and you're like right and then you look at the answer options and it's not there yeah, <laughs> yeah you're like how did i go that far wrong yeah. and i just oh walked God. out of the exam i was like i know i got those questions wrong but that's okay because i got x yeah. y and z right so yeah you know, yes. win, win for me it's all about mentality in the exam just like kish said if you finding a question where you're like i don't know it just allow it move on move on yeah. and then you're all right yeah, yeah. And the other, back to not being able to know everything as well doesn't it exactly yeah, yeah. yeah. Exactly. yeah. yeah. and not not let that you know distort the stuff that you do know which is yeah, yeah. For the vast sure. majority of stuff exactly. and i think the other thing i would say on sba questions is when there's a like i've never put an answer that i've never heard before either so mm-hmm. if there's a very odd answer there it's probably unlikely to be right this is my kind of thought so because if if i've never heard of that diagnosis or heard of that answer before the chances of it actually being right are probably quite low mm-hmm. unless you know there's something seriously wrong with my studying and revision things if you've done your work and you, you you know been successful and things are going okay then i don't think you should like put answers which are completely alien to you just mm-hmm. because it's alien so you get to the end of the exam you've watched that second hand tick down to the to the final hour um or the end of the of the final hour and things are starting to 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 be collected in and and you're you're making your way out to the exam hall what what do you guys do next do you you sit down and debrief or do you just go out and uh let your hair down (laughs) like two groups of people isn't there like you said like you've got people who just run away and people who want to discuss i think i fall in both yeah degrees and I think a lot of us do I like as we were discussing earlier like I I do want to just forget about it but then suddenly my brain is like hi Gaia (laughs) please google it otherwise you're going to cry yourself to sleep tonight and then that's what I do but I think it's just more so for reassurance I think it's just human nature I don't know what you guys do yeah I I usually have this thing where since school days, I know if an exam's gone well or not. You know when you have your self-assessment and you know, like, I've got this or I haven't got this? Smashed it. Yeah, so it's like you <laughs> see the paper and I'm like, yes, and then it, if it's not, then it's like, oh, no. And then post-exam, it's just like, that's what determines my mood. So if I, if I know that I've, yeah, I've done okay, then 
I'll be happy to discuss the answers though. But if I know, <laughs> no, I, no, I agree with you. Then I'll, I'll be really scared to discuss the answers. But yeah, I sit in too, like you said, Gaia. Like I'll still want to discuss it, but then I'm also like, it depends how the paper went as well. So yeah. I think there's two things, isn't there? The, the first thing is your mental health and mental status is important. And the second thing is trying to learn from the exam experience in a positive way so that you can build on your knowledge and find areas that you know you're weak on so that you can perform better in the future and I think it's going to be very dependent on that person how how the exam went for them as to you know where they stand and onto which is the priority out of those two things because there's no point talking to loads of people if that's just going to make you feel horrible Mm. after an exam because that's not that's not nice so and I but I also think there's value in just reflecting on how the exam went you know and if that's just having a little chit chat with friends and you know what did you get for this what did you get for that because it does give you an idea of actually my anatomy is not that great and anatomy was important for this so to take away from this I could focus on that and if I have another exam tomorrow or the next week or in a few months then I can improve and do better I think it does you know we have to balance that kind of mental health uh, mood thing as well because you know that's really important too yeah and the journey for learning never stops right I mean look look at us all of us we've given so many exams but we still learn new things after an exam I'm still learning things even though I I know that also it's partly because the format does change over time um, but still we're we're still picking up on things we haven't you know picked up on before so you don't need to as you said Kish like mental health wise you don't need to think oh I'm still failing in things I've done so many exams before you know I think it's important to think that no actually I'll pick something up for the future you know I think, you know, just reiterating the point that we, we kind of said earlier that, you know, there's, there's no expectation that, you know, anyone will get 100% on an exam. So everybody's going to come out with questions that they, you know, on reflection, know they got wrong or after talking to people. And and it's almost like a, a bias then in terms of your perceptions of things is that you have, you lose all memory of the things that you actually probably got right or the things that you found relatively easy because you become so preoccupied on all the things that you think you got wrong. Um, and, and often we are the worst judges of, of ourselves. And I think, you know, as, as has already been said, the importance is, is it's done and dusted. There is literally nothing you can do now since you've sat the exam to change what happened in that, in that period of time. Um, and it's just trying to kind of refocus then your attentions and your efforts to take something positive from those feelings of I got that question wrong or didn't think I did so well on that. Uh, and how are you going to play that into, you know, your learn, learning moving forward? Um, and and that's, that's, not a, that's not a bad thing. That's, that's an important part of your, your process uh, through, through, uh, through learning. Yeah, I think as well, like if you're discussing it right after the exam with people, uh, you know, you'll be comparing answers and you'll think, oh, someone said something different to me. But who's to say they're right? That's true. Yeah. yeah. And I think it's really easy to tell yourself that story. Like, I must be the one that's wrong, especially if it's someone that you think is smart or it it could be you that's right. So I think before someone opens up a conversation as well, like I think it's important to set those boundaries within friendship groups to say, like, this is what we're comfortable talking about. Don't, yeah. And if someone isn't, don't yeah. put them in a position that they feel uncomfortable That's in. That's so true. And, you know, some people want to go full out. Some people don't want to talk about it. Mm-hmm. And, you know, be aware of that. And maybe maybe discuss it with your friends before you do the exam. Like, you know, mm. where, where do you want to go with it's this? It's very important to do that, Kish, because, you know, sometimes it can 
happen where I have a friendship group where one, two of our friends don't like doing it at all. And then there's yeah. my other friend where both of us just go for it and discuss in front of them. It's <laughs> <laughs> so but it just up. happens in the flow yeah, and then I it's know. just like yeah. but no but this time around she was a bit more receptive to it so I was like oh okay fab fab less guilty now but it's just like you have to be sensitive <laughs> to the people around you yeah that's, that's a good point I was just gonna say I think the way you feel after an exam I do feel like how much effort I put in does contribute to how I feel after the exam does that make sense like the yeah. build up how mm. much like I, I reflect I'm like look Gaia like you spent all this time revising and you've worked really hard and just don't worry about what happened in the exam you've tried your best and like I know that I've tried my best and I feel like after the exam I'm like at peace with myself because I'm like I've literally put every like sweat and tear into this exam (laughs) so I should be proud of myself and whatever happens happens as well so I think that's a really important reminder so if you do feel stressed out just remind yourself how much hard work and all those timetables and things that you made um, domino's pizzas domino's pizzas. <laughs> <laughs> exactly like that's they're all worth it so yeah. just reassure yourself at all times i think i think that's that's a, a really um really health health healthy and and uh, positive approach to, to to thinking uh post exam okay so we've come to the final part of the show our recommendations and we have one recommendation this week which is something that can help uh, with managing stress and anxiety not just around exams but also generally in life so sophie do you want to go ahead yeah so um the recommendation this week is uh the headspace app other meditation mindfulness apps are available uh, but this one's pretty good you can um get it alongside a spotify premium uh, membership for about five pounds a month or something and um, there's loads of really helpful um, meditations, mindfulness sessions that you can go through. They even have like specific ones for exam stress and things like that. Um, and I think it's a really good habit to get into, not just in the lead up to exams, but um, just day to day as well. So we'll put links to this in the recommendations part of the episode show notes as well for you to check out. So that's all for this week. Uh, we hope you enjoyed the episode and join us next week for another conversation. If you enjoyed the podcast, please subscribe, leave us a review and give us a follow on Instagram at the Hippocampus podcast and Twitter at hippocampus underscore pod. If you've got any thoughts on this episode or ideas for future discussion, please send us an email at the hippocampus podcast at gmail.com.